Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with the one and only Anna, REI mom, Kelly. Hi, Anna. Hi, good to be here with you. Nice to be with you as well. Uh, I actually want to talk about an, uh, a deal that you are working on. Obviously, I'm an accredited investor. I'm part of your network, uh, and I've seen uh, the deal that you've put through. Uh, I wanted to talk for the broader audience. I'm going to ask some selfish questions, but also want to talk to the broader audience. You know, what the heck are you doing? You're looking at multifamily today. Don't you know it's crashing and rates are up and rents are down? And I mean, what are you thinking? I've I've come out on record saying I think multifamily is in trouble. Uh, usually that's because of deals done with bad debt. But you're yeah. actually looking at a new deal. And are you crazy? What are you, what are you doing? What's going on? Sure. Great. So since we are talking about a particular deal, I am going to say this is not a solicitation to enter and invest in my deal. If you're accredited and you want more information, you can follow up with me after. Um, but this is not a solicitation. This is just us discussing why I like this deal, why it's an example of what I'm looking for. So, you know, Michael, both of us have been on this show and talked about, although I'm a multifamily syndicator, I've been warning multifamily syndicators for two years about... Yeah you know, these, this bridge debt is not a good thing, at, at least at the time, right? Things are shifting. And so that may change. But the reality is a lot of syndicators were buying at the top of the market, paying absolute top dollar, competing with a lot of, quite frankly, institutional investors who saw that there was pending inflation, pending recession, and they started buying up assets, not for cash flow, right? Like syndicated investors often do, but for a preservation of capital play. They knew there could be some pain and they start buying multifamily when they see that pain. It's a strong institutional play. So what happened is syndicators tried to compete with those institutions. And I, I've gone in highest and best, Michael, with 26 offers on large multifamily properties. And then you get highest and best of best and highest and, <laughs> and highest of best of best and final. So um, it's been a really a frenzy toward multifamily the last year and a half, especially. And so what happens is when you overpay, you cannot get quality fixed agency debt because the the income that the property produces at the time that you purchase it doesn't support the debt coverage ratio that lenders look for to basically say, after you pay all your expenses and the note, you're going to have about 20 or 25% extra cash available for investors. If it doesn't have that because the price is too high or the debt is too high, um, you, you can't get a good loan. So they were done with bridge debt. So that's the main thing we were warning people about is, listen, if the market corrects and there's some downside, if you're already buying at the top at top dollar and you're using bridge that could reset and potentially at higher rates if inflation isn't under control, you could really be in trouble. But what that does, Michael, and, and you and I know this, and we talk about this right now, we did an episode last week, don't be fearful when everyone else is afraid, right? You have to stick to your fundamentals and say, when there is blood on the streets, when there is fear, and when there is, um, you know, people that haven't been doing it a long time and get a little bit nervous about what is the right move to make, that's also the maximum point of opportunity for us that do have experience to say, we understand the fundamentals, but we actually have something that the people that bought a year and a half or two ago or before didn't have. And that's, we see what's coming. We know what kind of risks we need to hedge for, right? So if the market gets worse, what do we need to do? We need to buy below market. We can't pay retail. We have to have a strong basis and equity going into the deal. We have to have debt that hedges us on the upside 
um, of rate increases and allows us to be flexible if rate increases come back down. So the thing I look for is let's find deals, one, in areas that have a lot more demand than supply. That's critical. And that's the same for single family investments or really anything in the economy. It's all about supply and demand. So I don't want to be chasing yield and running to tertiary markets like a lot of syndicators did. And I pick on Oklahoma City, right? Because Oklahoma City had a 14% vacancy rate for a decade. But all these syndicators are like, well, we can't make money in Dallas, we can't make money in Raleigh, we can't make money in Atlanta. So let's go to Oklahoma City because it looked good on paper, right? Um, <laughs> oh, classic Excel spreadsheets live. <laughs> but it wasn't a great market and because there's too much supply versus the demand and the jobs aren't bringing in more people. And so it's really important that you that you look at your market, not the national market, but the local market where you're investing. And Raleigh-Durham is where our deal is. Uh, it's actually in Raleigh, North Carolina. But there's something called the Raleigh-Durham Research Triangle. Mm -hmm. It's 7,000 acres of jobs, employs hundreds of thousands of people, a billion dollars of new investment going in for more jobs now, companies like Google going in, IBM and others. And so it's really a very resilient, robust job economy with diversity within the industry. And that's really important because if you're in a city, let's talk, let's say Detroit, you know, when, when GM went under and, and Detroit was basically hit, if you have one major employer or one major industry and you hit a recession, you could have a lot of your tenant base lose jobs and then you have high vacancies and people don't pay. So you need to be in markets that are really resilient, not just have a lot of jobs, but have a lot of different industries represented so that if you lose your job, you know, let's say you're an IT guy or you're in management, you're not stuck in one industry. You can go find an IT job or a management job in many different industries at many different companies. So number one, I love the Raleigh-Durham market. It's actually rated number two um, recently as the, the most uh, attractive place to buy multifamily because of the lack of supply or the demand and because of the jobs. It also is the city with the number four highest GDP per capita. And so, and that just came out this earlier this week. And so, you know, you want areas that are thriving, not struggling. So the GDP in the Raleigh area is a, a little over 3%, while nationally it's 0 0.08 right now. So oh, wow. that's okay. something really, really important. So lots of good jobs, stable jobs, industry diversity, supply and demand. The other thing is, not all multifamily is the same, Michael, right? So you've got class A, B, C, and D. Class D is a war zone. Don't invest in class D multifamily. Just don't do it, okay? Class C is workforce, but there's a broad range of what people consider class C. It could be class C based on average incomes, average jobs, or it could just be a much older building that's starting to have a lot of deferred maintenance. Class B is typically something under 20 year built. So neighborhoods, business centers that are maybe 20 to 40 years old, something like that. Um, but they're thriving and they're doing really well and growing. And class C is your brand new stuff, you know, zero to 10, sometimes, you know, 20 years old uh, business centers where everybody wants to live. It's the newest, sexiest properties. Well, what history has shown is that during recessions and during financial crises, importantly, in case we get there, right, uh, class C and D multifamily, the values go down. Why? 
people can't afford to pay. They get hit by a recession harder. They may lose their jobs. They may not be able to keep up with the rent increases necessary to pay these big mortgages on the property, to pay taxes, insurance, et cetera. And so D and C typically get hard hit hard, both income and value. Um, class A, and I'll come back to B in a second, but class A is the most resilient. And people will say A steps down to B, but the reality is the values for class A multifamily in times of recession and in times of financial crisis actually go up. Why? Because institutions and other accredited investors buy them as a pre- preservation of capital play. When the market's crazy, we might make 20, might lose 20. Uh, when bond markets are all over the place, people want safety. They want something that that has tangible value that even if it goes down or has a little bit of a blip during a recession, it's going to come back up. And class A multifamily does that over and over to where the cap rates actually go down in a recession for class A where everything else starts to go up. Class B is right in the middle of A and C. And depending on the market, how strong the market is, like a market like Raleigh, they actually perform very similar to class A. So that's the other thing is, is you have to know your asset class and your tenant's resiliency to be able to pay for it, right? So another kind of economics 101, when we're looking at different investment options, and, and you and I invest in things other than multifamily too, right? Single family, office, gold, uh, energy, all kinds of things, right? What we have to do is say, if the economy is hit with pain and that we are there now, right? With inflation, or if it's recession or if it's stagflation, it doesn't matter. If people are having to prioritize where they spend their money because they don't have enough money for what their lifestyle is and what they need, they're going to prioritize what they need, not what they want, right? And so you might stop buying $200 shoes. You might not buy and upgrade the next Apple iPhone, but you're going to prioritize rent, food, and energy. And so by investing in strong markets that have strong jobs, that give people the best chance at weathering a recession and keeping good wages or finding another job. The next thing is, can they afford to live where you're offering you know, complexes? And so class A to B multifamily tend to target and cater to those who have higher incomes, higher job. They care more about their credit and they have more saved. And what that means is even if they start to struggle, they will prioritize paying rent. History shows this over and over again because they wanna stay in an area with low crime where they feel safe coming home every night. They wanna be in an area close to jobs. They don't wanna move away from their friends and everyone that they know and the things they do. Um, they may spend a little less money you know, going out to eat and things like that, but they wanna stay where they live. And so history shows us that class A to B multifamily tenants are a little more economically stable. They can afford to keep buying our product. They need our product. They don't just want it, they need it. Um, and those things offer extraordinary resilience. The last thing, and I know I'm throwing out a lot here for us to go over, but the last thing, and really it is the most important, um, is the team, right? The team that's managing your asset. There are a lot of newer syndicators. I'm newer. I've been syndicating for four years, but I've been doing multifamily for 15 and real estate for 22, right? So um, just on my own and joint ventures before syndications. And I know a lot of syndicators that have done really well that have just jumped in. But if they don't have the experience to go through a financial crisis like the Great Recession, to manage assets through the pandemic and come out stronger instead of weaker, um, 
you've got to be really, really careful about investing with those operators, not because they're not smart or don't have integrity, but because they just don't have the experience to be malleable when they have to make changes because of things the market might throw at us. And so, you know, for this asset, in addition to myself, my partners on these deals have been in multifamily um, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years plus, um, and over a decade, right? And so we've been through multiple downturns. We've had to get creative and flexible. Um, and so the team is really, really important to make sure that you're dealing with people with competence, commitment, integrity, and their number one rule is don't lose money for investors, right? They're not going to leave you hanging and still make their fees on the back end. They're going to make sure that, you know, if things get tough, they're not being paid until they manage your asset well for you. So this particular asset, it's a class B market, borderline class A in Raleigh and has just all the strength of those things that I look for. And that's why I'm still doing this particular deal, even in this market. I think there's a couple of things going on in the syndication space because I've been very clear. I expect, at least in my market, right? I'm, I have one market. I'm kind of boring that way. I expect a lot of pain in my market, but it it will be probably next year because again, I think a lot of people overpaid, uh, and they were using the wrong debt vehicle. It's still, I still think it is almost. It's almost com. It would it would be comical if it wasn't sad that we repeated the same mistakes of '08 in commercial, right? Bad debt, unrealistic assumptions, short-term debt, variable rate debt. It was just, it's, it happened again. It just was in a different asset class. Right. Um, what I think is also happening is I'm hearing syndicators, typically the newer ones who haven't been through a cycle before, typically with bridge debt, didn't buy rate caps. They, they, they didn't do all of the conservative things that I've, we, you and I've talked about over the years. They're already, already not paying uh, distributions. And I've heard of a couple already trying to do capital calls, at least small capital calls. Folks, there's right. there's a lot of pain coming. So when, when Anna runs through something, um, you know, take notes, listen, because I know some of you are being pitched things. And I, I got I, I have to stress that final point. If you're not working with an operator who's been through a cycle, I mean, I'm going to say run, but, you know, you do you. Um, I think yeah. there's a lot of pain coming. But also, as I've said, opportunity. I got my first deal out of the MLS. I'm working on two more deals right now. Right. It's coming. And if if you can find the opportunity and put in the right debt with the right leverage and the right yeah. time frame with the right team, I'm going to do lots of deals. I might do more deals in the next 12 to 18 months than I've ever done in any 18-month period because- yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be greedy when others are, are scared. Uh, Patrick bet David has a great line. I don't want to steal it from him. I'm going to give him credit. Basically it's time to make, um, crazy offers. And that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm writing offers almost every day. And, um, I think he called them disrespectful offers. That's what he said, right? Disrespectful offers. So I'm looking at days on market over 30 or 60 days. Right. I'm trying to find the right opportunity and I'll do lots of deals. And then the last thing, uh, this is my favorite statistic I've read in the last year and a half. 84% of home buyers are out of the market. They think it's a bad time. I'm like, yes, it's about yeah. time. There's no competition. I can yeah. have crazy low offers. And if the seller doesn't want it, I'll move on to the next one. So yeah. I'm excited. I know there will Absolutely. be opportunities. Sounds like you found one. Absolutely. Um, and the thing is, you know, I, I think there's two important things there, right? 
One is the fact that so fewer investors are able to take down these deals right now, either they're afraid or they can't get the financing, right? Remove significant amount of competition so that you can make crazy offers. And the thing is those sellers who are selling now, they are motivated because sometimes they have to sell. Yeah. Sometimes they have to, and especially in multifamily, it's resilient. I'm not going to sell unless I have to, right? I sold some stuff leading up to where we were coming because I wanted opportunity um, and, and to get liquid, right? But this deal in, in Raleigh, for example, we bought from a seller who was out of money, right? And we've bought other properties from this seller. And so, you know, we negotiated 60,000 a door below market, below what current sales are. It's like $17 million below market, right? So when, you, when you're going to buy properties now, you need to go in with built-in equity, right? Because if you're buying at a price today and there's no real upside and you're just hoping for appreciation, it's not going to happen. You got to buy your appreciation by getting a low basis, buying it truly below what it's worth today, so that even if values did come down a bit over the next couple of years, you've got built-in equity for where they are today, right? And then if you can force appreciation, which you can do on single family homes through the Burr method with multifamily, we're bumping rents up, we're making the units nicer. Both of those things, increasing income, increasing the, the value because of that income and starting off with a below market basis, even if cap rates go up a little bit, even if values come down a little bit, you're building in those buffers to help you to create growth and return despite a potential downturn, you know, in the overall market or where you are. And so it's it's extremely critically important. And then the last thing is the financing. And we've talked about this as well, but you have to have financial wherewithal. In multifamily today, Michael, where I could get 80% LTV just a year ago, um, if the deal was good, we're tapping out at about 60% LTV, which means anyone who wants to buy apartments has to have 40% down plus the cost yeah. of reserves, um, you know, reserves for cash, reserves for overages for construction, et cetera. So you have to have tremendous financial wherewithal and experience to get good deals done today, which removes a lot of our competition. And so, you know, be careful, make sure you're, you're, you're buying deals, you're going to have lower debt, which gives you more equity as well. So that gives you a little bit of margin of safety, but I'm excited to keep doing deals. It's just that you, you have to remember, stick to the fundamentals, what things make real estate good for the long term, and how can we figure out how to hedge any disruption in our income or our expenses or values in the short term and get through it so that we really um, have strong opportunity when we do decide to sell at some point in the future. Awesome. If somebody wanted to get added to your accredited list, which I am on, uh, how do they reach out or follow or where, where do we where do we point them? Right. Thank you. You can reach me at my website at greaterpurposecapital.com. And on the bottom, on any of the pages, just put join investor tribe. Um, I do an only work with accredited investors at this point. Um, but if you are accredited, please reach out to me. And if you're interested in this particular opportunity and you are accredited, you can get more information by email me at Anna at greaterpurposecapital.com. Very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you.